We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network. This is Milwaukee Bucks game two win over the Atlanta Hawks. Post game crossover podcast, Eurostep slash winning six. I am Ty Windish back in the building, aka my home, not the building, aka Pfizer Forum. Can't go back there again this postseason. Unfortunately, I am joined by Rohan Kadi of the Eurostep podcast, Adam McGee of the winning six podcast, everyone of the Eurostep podcast network, fellas. As the Bucks run out this big win over the Hawks, currently up 35 points with about two and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. How's it going? It's going good. Yeah, couldn't be better, honestly. <laughs> like, I mean, I think I was more elated after the Game 7 win, but this, this feels pretty good. Just a solid playoff beatdown in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, How can you not feel good while watching this game? I think I feel extra good because this is this is exactly what the Bucks needed after game one, right? Like the one thing are you obviously losing is what you really couldn't do. I think this was as close to a must win as you can have in any like non-game seven or closeout game situation. But what you really wanted to do, what we really wanted to see from the Bucks was a dominant win, right? Like you don't just want to even up the series. You don't want to eke out a win in similar fashion to game one. If the Bucks had won instead of lost, you want the Bucks to go out there and prove that they were the favorite coming in for a reason. And even after game one, they were the favorite on most odd makers for a reason. They're the better team. They have the best player. They're able to dominate this, this Atlanta Hawks defense, especially. And, they did the dominated Atlanta's offense too. We'll get into that, but I think it started with Giannis and the Bucks going inside, slicing up this Hawks defense the way I think we expected to see from the jump. And after a little bit of a sloppy-ish first quarter, Milwaukee just went off in the second quarter. We saw the disciplined Bucks, and they pretty much put Atlanta away in one quarter. Adam, what were your thoughts this game? The meaningful three quarters of this game, anyway. 
uh, on what it means for the series and what kind of an answer it was to game one. I enjoyed true to sloppiness that there was some hot shooting. The books didn't take full advantage of that, but this is a little window into if the books just get a little bit of luck, if they get a good shooting night, the game could be over in a hurry. And guys like, let me look to the box score here. Like Thanasis is in 10 minutes, not seconds, minutes. Jordan War has got nine. Elijah Bryant's got eight. Jeff Teague's got eight. And we're not going to complain about them. There could be a lot more of that for the books. If they can just find some shooting every now and then, that's one part of it. That's always been the uncontrollable, though. As for what is within the book's control, I just really like the aggression. I think the two players in particular I'm going to find myself talking about a lot are Giannis. I thought this was a pretty special game. Um, with the minutes he ended up playing not being all that high at all, it's one that may get lost to the history books, but he's rarely been as impressive and as forceful as he was in this game. And the other player is Brooke. And this is to me by far and away the biggest the biggest development to come out of this game is not only did you know Brooke stay on the floor or were able to keep him on the floor, he proved that he's completely invaluable. You know, you just they cannot be without Brooke Lopez. They cannot be without him. He's too good. He's too good on, on both sides. This is something you and I talked about quite a bit, Rohan, on the post-game one episode. I, I felt that, you know, as much as there was success with them going small and switching everything, Bud kind of threw the baby out with the bat water, right? You know, they needed... Rowan, you're making a face. Is that so, not a I've never that's heard that. Expre- I've saying. never heard it's that in my here. life, so that threw me off. It's I, was, I was wondering, had that not made the trip across the Atlantic? But Ty just didn't even flinch. And if you're not flinching about babies being thrown out with the bat water, then, you know. Then you don't love Bucks basketball. It's it's definitely made the trip. But for Brooke, it was a case of, you know, they they just can't get away from it. They don't have the players. And I, Mm -hmm. I do think, although it worked out in this game, there was signs of, you know, they don't have the players. There were guys who played minutes, had some good moments. But I I don't know if you're like, oh, yeah, over seven games, that's going to hold up with Brooke. He thrived, you know, that that possession where he locked down Trey. Was that the first possession, the 24-second violation? Of the Jack second Bauer half. To yeah, start the, the second, second half. half? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's really kind of just bringing it up to another level. So that is a big deal, and that's maybe the standout for me. Rohan, I'll give you the pick, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on everything, but I feel like the two big takeaways there were Giannis's amazing game and the – alterations to how Brooke Lopez played. And if you want to go somewhere else, we can wait on both of those things. But I want to hear your thoughts on whichever of those you're most amped to talk about as well. Well, let's go Giannis first so we don't forget okay. about it. I was, I was, I was I about was to say, say, are we allowed to go Giannis first? <laughs> See, this is this is what we need to do more often. We just need to do it right away so that I can't forget. I'll take the blame on this one. I'm usually <laughs> the one that forgets. So let's talk Giannis. Let's talk about the two-time MVP who managed to just completely dominate this game. He did take some threes. He was 0-3 from three tonight. I want to say, though, the one, game was over. one before the it game brought, was over. I think one. Just only one. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you guys for providing context. They, they did not matter because he had already established himself as the most dominant interior force in the league. And he has been doing that for a long time. 
and he's just proving it again on the stage of the Eastern Conference Finals. There's there's absolutely nothing. Adam, you and I talked about this on the Post Game One pod. There's absolutely nothing Atlanta can do. Giannis knows that. The Bucks know that. They went out there and they showed that tonight. Giannis was doing everything he could possibly do to get to the restricted area, get to the paint. He was coming off of screens. He was coming off of his own uh, handle. He was just doing everything he could possibly do to get into that restricted area, into that painted area. And once he gets there, he showed that, again, he's one of the best finishers in the entire NBA, if not the best. It's just... It's a performance where it's like, oh, he puts up 25 points in 29 minutes. He took 18 shots. Sure. Whatever. Like we're, we're used to that with Giannis at this point, realistically, if we're, if we're being serious, like that's, that's a normal Giannis performance, but this was not a normal Giannis performance in that, in that the context is so much different. We saw a game where he did play really well for his own standards, but he wasn't being a dominant force in game one. Like given he was showing that he can go get his own. He was showing that, oh, I can do this. He wasn't doing that in the context of the team. The team wasn't doing anything in the context of him. They blended those two in his game minutes tonight and they blew the Hawks out of the water. And it starts with Giannis. It ends with Giannis. It always does for this team. And that was on full display tonight. Yeah. I mean, the, the first four points, First four points of the game where Giannis just get into the rack. And I think it was kind of one of those moments for me that really it's like, oh, we're watching a legit superstar play right now because he came out of the gates. There's games where Giannis will little wishy-washy, attack when he wants to, distribute the ball more, get the whole team involved. To me, I felt very early in this game that Giannis was coming out and he was saying like, we're not losing this. No matter what, we're not losing this. Like, I'll pull a tray and put up 48 points on all the shots if I have to. We're not losing this game. We're not losing both at Fiserv in the Eastern Conference Finals. And it just felt different to me. And, of course, the, his teammates did step up a lot more. Like you said, Adam, the threes falling in the first quarter, I think, gave the Bucks a lead that I felt a little shaky about until the defensive intensity picked up in the second quarter, which, again, super nice to see. It was like, hey, this is a team that is good enough to just, like, be winning by double digits, even if they're not playing all that well if the threes fall. But Giannis himself was like, you could feel that energy off of him. Just like, we're not losing this game. I'm going to do whatever it takes. It didn't end up being that dire, but I just love the way he started the game, just getting into the rack over and over and over. And I want to quickly share the Shaq quote from halftime. I know the inside the NBA folks on TNT often derided. They do say a lot of questionable things. I did think this was a cool quote. Shaq, he can do this all the time. You're disrespecting him by not doubling or tripling him. So, hey, use your size, use your ability. Shaq loved that Giannis wasn't taking a lot of jumpers in that first half. And I think that's the beauty of this Bucks team now, although they haven't made threes a lot of this postseason. If you are doubling and tripling Giannis, there's a lot of players who can hurt you around him right now. And I think that's the beauty. And also, I just think it's harder to build a wall than Reggie Miller seems to think. Or Barrier. Sorry, Rohan. Barrier. Um, you can't do it with bad defenders. It just won't work. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was a tremendous uh, Giannis game. And Adam, I saw you were ready to, to weigh in before I jumped in. I had to get the Shaq quote out. I was happy with that Shaq quote. Well, one of the things that just when you talk about the way he came out, I think there's a real element of tone setting. And if you're going to talk about what the books needed to do and how they need to adjust, he, as the team's leader, as the team's best player, he had to come and do that. And in game one, I think he came out, he was playing well, he was making good plays, but it was like four and a half minutes before he took a shot. He was just out passing, passing, passing. 
which great, you know, that's that's something that particularly when compared to some of the questionable shots that he can throw up, I don't think anyone's going to have a problem with him making really kind of precise passes to his teammates. But the Bucks needed him to go and really kind of throw a gauntlet down and not let the Hawks kind of settle in and get complacent with that. Shaq's, Shaq's quote is good. My one thing is he can't do this every game. And that's not a problem, really, because no player in the history of the NBA has been able to do this every game. Like, what's really interesting to me, okay, there's like that all-time finish, one of the ver- very best finishes of his career, the mid-air adjustment and just of, the soft NBA history. Yeah, for sure. But I just felt like, and this is very pleasantly surprising, he looked ultra-explosive tonight. Like, there was like pop out of those spins. You know, he was really kind of bursting away from from Hawks defenders. He was getting separation in a way that, you know, it doesn't feel like he always gets. All of this is relative because obviously Giannis is a freak athlete. But there was something just a little bit extra there. Not just that he was kind of a step quicker than the Hawks defenders, but that he was just basically, I thought it was a true sheer force of will, but he was bursting through them you know how many times did we essentially see him split two defenders with a spin and he's just through the other side and it's an easy finish that was really really nice to see because we're at the conference finals like he's got a ton of games under his belt we're used to the question and i know it might have been on them um, the winning six mailbag like jordan and i feel the question about it. it's like could he be hurt his knees bleeding at the end of every game you know, the gassing out and he's hobbled, which, you know, all of that to me is just kind of the honest experience. His knee is always hurt. Um, he's he's generally exhausted. But to find something like that in a game where it's like, you know, your team can't lose it to come out, play like that and to show that kind of athleticism, that kind of explosiveness bodes really, really well for the books. Yeah, and I think that's the other part about how nice it is that Milwaukee had that great second quarter, kept up the intensity through the third, got a little lackadaisical, some early shot clock threes there in the third that uh, some people were maybe taking a bit too seriously, especially Giannis's, but shooting practice. Finished the quarter strong, though. Literally the whole fourth quarter was garbage time. And that's and when you're at this point in the playoffs. The entire second half was garbage time. But Giannis is on the court. The fourth quarter, nobody important is on the court. Sorry, Bobby Porters, but nobody important is on the court. Listen, you didn't if, misspeak. I, I didn't say I, I did. Um, we're going to um, get there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely. We're going to get there. I've got stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 29 minutes for Giannis in a blowout win. Like Now that the games are every other day and the finals, I don't want to get ahead of myself either way, but could certainly be the early start, even if both teams – it will be if both teams wrap up early. Um, and again, there's a lot of series left in, in both sides of the bracket right now, but there's not that many off days anymore. Every other day throughout the Eastern Conference Finals, the finals, I think that's one or two days off. When you can buy Giannis, who does always have achy knees and achy everything with the way he plays, some extra rest, I think it's always always a good thing. I want to talk about the defensive adjustment on Trey Young because it was huge. Like you mentioned, Adam, and this is something I I was saying too, is like you can't just not play Brooke. It's untenable. And there was a lot of, you know, maybe you play him like a role player. Some people going as far to say 
Maybe you just don't play him. It's just not possible. They don't have the roster for that. He's way too good. The other players are way not good enough, but they had to adjust. So I want to take one win and one loss on what I thought the Bucks had to do defensively. The win is bring, bring Brooke up a little bit more on the drop, and they did that often. The loss is I didn't want help. I, I really wanted it just to be a two-man action on both ends, but the help that Milwaukee was sending to Trey Young really seemed to affect him. I think the Bucks did it very well in a way that didn't give up open shots as much, and Trey was flustered. I mean, Trey, after putting up 48 in game one, had 15 points on six for 16 shooting, one for eight from three, Three assists in 28 minutes. The most crucial number, though, three free throw attempts. And I thought the Bucks were great about helping, about being as physical as possible without ever giving him the opportunity to sell contact. That's how you have to play against this guy. I mean, whether you're dropping, sending help, not sending help, I think the main takeaway is, like, make him hit shots. And especially if it's not floaters, make him hit jumpers. He's not been a good three-point shooter this postseason. That certainly applies to long twos as well. I thought the Bucks were really good about getting him, making him go through multiple bodies in traffic and then making him shoot jumpers, which is just really not his strong suit as a player. Yeah, I thought the defense especially was like, I just, I went on a thing about how Giannis, it starts and ends with Giannis, but also like their defensive adjustment was just monumental. It was light night and day from what it was in game one. Just right out of the gate, they come out switching one through four immediately. Immediately. They didn't wait to go to a switch everything lineup. They they went straight to a one through four on ball and off ball, which was great to see right away. And like you mentioned, Ty, they were bringing Brooke Lopez higher on the drop, which they should have done in game one. But <laughs> game one is behind us and they're doing it now. So whatever. That's it. that's all it really needs to be, realistically. And you mentioned the help defense. It wasn't the normal Bucks help defense either. It wasn't just like, okay, come off of the strong side corner yeah. where you're the, one the pass easy, away. Come from the easiest pass away and do it very slowly was like the Bucks 2019-2020 no, yeah, help They're defense. helping from the weak side and also rotating after the help in order to cover the passing lanes and also making sure they jump the initial passing lanes so that they can't get in, can't get Milwaukee into rotation right away, which just frazzled Trey Young, frazzled him. He didn't know what to do as a playmaker. His shot wasn't falling. And the state every time of being he, matched his hair. Wow. <laughs> he, went, he was full lollipop on that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, <laughs> he, he couldn't make his easy passes. He couldn't make his first reads. And once he started to get into his second and third reads, it was already too late because he was being swarmed. The Bucks played impeccable is a strong word, and I wouldn't use it, but as close to impeccable defense against the Atlanta Hawks as you could do in this game. I just I thought it was I thought it was really well done, really well planned out, and really well executed. But I mean, the Bucks were faking him out with their help. Like that's the thing, particularly PJ was doing. Like it's it's just you're just flashing help. It's like oh I'm coming to help, and before like you're you're just you could see Trey Young's brain get scrambled, and like uh, there I can't remember who else. There's someone who'd done it a couple of times. I mean Chris at one point, but it's once he'd see like they could bail, they could bail on the help and just get back to. It's basically just faking. It's like kind of watching a. Uh, Brooke cleanse himself so he's not being called for <laughs> for violations. That's essentially what the books were doing with their help defense in this game. And it was working. It was getting in his head. 
I mean, I don't know how either of you feel about this. I think the Hawks came in like losers tonight. I just, it was pretty embarrassing. It started pregame, which what I now would feel like they must regret, which is making such a big deal out of Giannis's free throws. Because and Giannis responds by shooting way faster and at a much higher clip, which is but the you know what that's that that part of it is irrelevant. You've won game one. You've won game one in spite of anything. Like you've seen how he's been shooting, regardless of if he's taking longer. Is he really killing anyone with his free throws? No. So how about you just go and win game two? Just go and win game two. I mean, you can get on the league's case. But you don't need that to come out in any way where it's it's becoming the story where you're then talking about a pre-game where Bud's having to answer questions. Like they were looking for the cheap way to victory in this game. And it, it was just in everything. You're, it's the constant take fouls, which are just like, yeah, it's just quitting. It's just like, and I, I've heard they did this a lot against Philly too. I almost get it because they're just not a defense. Uh, in the words of Steve Nash, the all-time words, we're just not a defensively inclined roster. It is true. I think there is some some an idea to it, but also I don't think it's just like I don't think it's a good vibe. I think it's a bad vibe for your basketball team if you're like we do a turnover. No way we're gonna play any defense right after that. We're just gonna give up. Well, the they can't. They literally can't stop Milwaukee or Philly for that matter. And if you can't stop Philly, you definitely can't stop Milwaukee in transition. Yeah, yeah. this like, is not the goodness. Knicks are like. The, the rotting corpse of the Sixers anymore. Like the, this game team. had that energy for sure. Well, I mean, I, I remember going in, in our Eurostep postgame pod, it was like the one dynamic guard they, well, I mean, Seth Curry went off too, but the one dynamic point guard they played with De- was Derrick Rose. And Derrick Rose put up incredible numbers against this team, this Hawks team that cannot guard guards, basically. I think it's not a coincidence that Drew Holiday's had two great back-to-back games. Like he's, He's, there's no resistance. There's literally no resistance. They put Bogdan on him, who cannot move, which still is kind of wild to me, but the other options are Kevin Herter and Trey Young, so I don't think there's a lot there. Um, they, they have no answers to most things that the Bucks do on offense, which is what we expected going in. We're seeing it a lot more now, but I do think the Bucks' defense is feeding into the offense a lot. But just play the game. Like Imagine yeah. if the shoe was on the other foot here. And we watched the books lose in that fashion. All of it. I mean, the other example, not that this is anything new, this is part of what he does. But the the foul that that Trey got for jumping backwards into Chris and not even didn't even touch him. Didn't even. It's like you're just not even playing the game. You're not actively going out and being like, oh, how about I make this shot, or how about we get back and try to play some defense. We may be terrible at it, but how about we try, or how about we just, you know. We put up with some calls are going to go against some calls are going to go whatever. We're not we're not making. I just thought their whole attitude, their energy was wrong to bring into the game. And then they get bludgeoned. They get humiliated. Like, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens when it goes to Atlanta. Maybe they can just get back to where they were, you know, 48 hours ago. Maybe. Maybe they can just pick right up. Forget this happened. They're the world's shortest memory. But this was bad. And from our point of view, great. You know, books fans should feel great about it. Books players will certainly feel great about it. But it was just a really weird kind of vibe to bring into a game. It's honestly like a team that that looks like and in fact hasn't been here before. One quick thing I want to add. I know you've got something, Rohan, on just the Bucks stunting the help. Actually, two quick things. One. 
Adam, I loved your point from the game one pod of like, even if he's not an ideal matchup for Trey Young, Trey Young is not enthused about playing offense against PJ Tucker. Like you can mm-hmm. see it. He doesn't, he doesn't want that. So especially when it's PJ stunting help, it's been effective. And I'm, you've mentioned Brooke Lopez is cleansing as an analogy to the stunting help. The other way Brooke Lopez is involved is if you buy that split second of a pause with Atlanta, Brooke Lopez can get back into position. And if Brooke Lopez is between Trey Young and the rim slash Capella, there's nothing there inside anymore. Like Trey is way too tiny to shoot over Brooke Lopez if he's right there. And I think we saw that like Brooke was in better spots to contest in game two. And suddenly the Hawks had literally nothing inside. Like Capella one for five, two points, Trey Young six for 16, uh, 15 points. Like, Brooke Lopez, if he's in position, still an all-defensive caliber. I think, was it this year? Did he make all-defense this year, or was it last year? Was it just Drew and Giannis this year? I don't just think Drew and Giannis. Year. I don't think he made it. Yeah, he didn't He didn't have a good regular season. He didn't really I think his second, it, second team the year before last is what it was. Was I it really? I th- no, I thought, he was, I thought last year he made it. Rohan's pulling it up. But, um, but still, I the, the point I think it was is, his first year in Milwaukee. But anyway, continue. The point is, if he's in position, like he's still very imposing. And I think... I love that they're letting him go out on the perimeter more. I don't think he's terrible out there. I mean, you mentioned the shot clock violation. I think part of the reason he looks good out there is they really don't ask him to do it often, which is smart. I think if you get Brooke Lopez running around the perimeter for 40 minutes, it's probably going to look pretty bad by the end of the game. But when he's out there from time to time, I think he does quite well. And his whole thing is... He's smart, Ty. Yeah, this is he the makes thing. you it's shoot like... over him. He, he makes you try to shoot over him, which is hard to do. He, he was second find... team last year. Thank you. Was last I, year. I can't believe I missed that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm sure you didn't miss it at the time. Just, you know, a lot's happened since. Yeah, it's been a busy time for us. You know, the world's been a weird place (laughs) and everything. Um, three guys on all defense last year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wild. Where were you? I know there's a lot that we just kind of parked about last season, <laughs> with, with how it ended. But, I mean, the, the thing with Brooke is his intelligence allows him to basically just survey what's in front of him. And if there's an opportunity to kind of even half trap someone like Trey Young, he can take it. You know, if if he's near the corner, if he's along the baseline, if he's along the sideline, you know, Trey Young is so small, Brooke can just come and basically envelop him. You know, just spread your arms out, and all Trey Young sees is darkness. And maybe not darkness a, with Brooke. Oh well, well, yeah, <laughs> there's a couple, a couple of instances. <laughs> wow, a couple of instances of that in the game, and 
I think they can go to it more. They, they should feel confident and free in that. And yeah. I think based on this one, there's now no reason for them not to feel that way. I take your victory lap. Which one? <laughs> wow. Uh, deceptively wow. long. Deceptively long. Was, was it? I think it was second quarter. He, uh, it was like the Bucks help defense like went in to the to the paint to stop a drive, and then the ball gets kicked out and back around. Might have been Herder up around the wing behind three, and it was Brooke who ran out there to pick him up up there. And I was like, oh wow, like they that's different. Like there's games, especially in the regular season, aka the way they approached game one against Atlanta, where like he would have just stayed parked around the paint and been like, well, somebody else should get out there. Like I'm not gonna give up our whole defense. This was more of a all hands on deck approach on defense, and it worked again. Like if he's out there in spurts, I don't have any issue with it. Like he's so smart on defense, he's so crafty, he'll trick you to shoot over him, and then yeah, deceptively long. Good luck. My hot take on the Hawks shooting is really is one player. Really, I go under on Trey and let him shoot threes all day. I'm not worried. Sure. In these playoffs, I think now ten times he shot 33.3 percent or less from three to four times where he shot more than that. And it's like, play the numbers, like make him. And I think, yeah, it's not, this is people are going to say like, Oh, analytics, like you can't do that math nerd, blah, blah, blah. Part of it is the analytics. Part of it is also like, if the Hawks offense devolves into a bad shooter, shooting a bunch of threes, that's just not good for your team. Like, unless you're literally a Steph Curry level shooter, it's not good for your team. If you're just taking pull up three after pull up three after pull up three, like, I think it kills the offense a little bit. I think Atlanta was dangerous because they had more players involved in game one. And the way he sh- – what it, Trey was four for 13 or four for 11 in game one, one for eight in this game. Like, I'm switching against him. I'm going under on screens, and I'm switching bigs, and I'm saying, hey, don't let him drive. Like, give him some space. Make him shoot over you. Don't let him drive. I thought he, the one make was over Portis, and I felt bad. I thought he actually played it perfectly. Like, didn't give him the space to drive made him shoot over his outstretched arms, and he makes it. Cool. One for seven. You can always live with one for seven. Herder got one over uh, over Portis as well. Herder is the guy, particularly when bigs get out there, I just don't want any piece of that. He yeah. is the real shooter. Like, yeah. The thing with Trey is, and Trey, he did only have one tree. He had another that I was convinced, and not just like in a Marv Albert kind of way that was a tree in real time and it obviously was a toe on the line which you know continued you know <laughs> toes on the line it. we'll we'll take as many of them as we can get um for opposing players over the next few weeks but that's his range like he is a dead eye from you know right at the three point line i think that's something that if he was always in that position you would be more wary of it the fact is, he loves to take shots from five, six, further um, feet behind the arc, and he's not a good three-point shooter from that range. It might be something to do with the fact that he has like tiny little arms. <laughs> I mean, Just I, listen, the math checks out. Small arms, <laughs> hard to shoot. I I did think about it during the game. I was like, you know, you're a little guy. Just get a little bit closer. I also think that's why it's good if you can make him work more in the paint and not let him get bailed out with those free throws. Like, make him exert as much energy as possible. Like, I think the smaller you are, the more tired you get over the course of a game. Like, and I, the people make the Steph comparison all the time. Trey looks tiny 
compared to Steph. Like a lot of reasons they're different players for sure. Trey's a better passer. Steph is miles ahead as an offensive player uh, and much less of a, a foul and a, baiter. And defensive player. Also true. People forget Steph led the, Steph led the league in steals once nah, or twice. Um, but the size is massively different. Like massively. Like Trey is so small. Like anytime Jack now. Like my goodness. Yeah. He's had a lot of time to sit on the couch and and hit some workouts in between that. But he's getting he's getting ready for his trip to Milwaukee. Yeah, I was gonna say he's got to come to Milwaukee if he wants another deep playoff run. But yeah, Trey is tiny. And I think he looked tiny in this game in, in a couple different senses, and that's what the Bucks need to do: weaponize the size, make Trey make Trey fight Brook Lopez on more of Brook Lopez's terms. That's got, that's what you have. We got weaponize the size no, t-shirts no, no, yet? We, <laughs> I think we might have to make weaponize the they'd, size. They'd sell. I'm they not wearing say. that. We might have to do Adam. Wear Adam, Adam loves the big guys. Maybe Adam will be pictured on it. Well, now it's now it's going. <laughs> this is like Rowan's tweets the other night. This is getting a I didn't, bit risque. I didn't the tweet, but I have to. Um, you, you, <laughs> you sent me the screenshot of your lone appearance in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. It's just a quote. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just I like a quote, the big guys. Um, it was by what my very happened? early <laughs> basketball expertise. Rowan might not be in on every part of this conversation, but, and you know, most people listening probably aren't at all, which does not, does not, uh, does not serve well for, you know, the context that would make this better. But I think we should just move on now. No one's bailing me out here and yeah. moving the conversation along like a good host would do. Do you want to have, you have your Portis conversation? That's what I was going to say. Let's talk about Portis. So, so I, I wasn't against, go ahead, Adam. I wasn't, I wasn't anti Portis in this game. Classic, classic cult heroes game. For sure. That's all he is. That's, That's all he is. People is need bad? to know, but it means Nick, that... Nick Collison is a cult hero. Oh. Yeah, and Bobby Portis is. Okay, I mean... No, don't, don't compare to Nick Collison. No, Rohan decided to take it that far. And I'm not going to no, back when down. You, when you say cult hero, that's what I think of. In terms I think of Della Vadova, Della Vadova on the Cavs. Delhi's got some cults, although Delhi was mm, Delhi on the Cavs is better and more reliable. No, yeah, honestly, I, I, there's a lot of Portis. Portis first quarter and a half. You talk about the the part of the game where you weren't feeling great about the books. Portis and Forbes were train wrecks, and then he had a couple of good plays. He brought the energy in. And he was like a man possessed for the rest of that quarter. And he was really good. And the crowd are chanting his name and everyone's forgotten everything else. And from this point on for the rest of the series, we're going to get questions all the time. We're like, why is, why are they playing Portis more? Why aren't they playing Portis? And the reason is, is because he's not that good. Like he's just not very good. He's a fine, he, he's a bench player. You can't expect him to be consistently good across. If he was consistently good across all his minutes with that skill set, he wouldn't be coming off the bench in the first place. For sure, but he's a bench player. But is he a bench player that, let's say, they're in the finals and they're playing the Phoenix Suns? Is he a bench player you're going to want to see the floor? No, he's I would not. Make him, I would make him be played off first. Oh, and that will happen. Uh, that could happen yet yeah, in, in this series again. I mean, it happened against the Nets. I, I don't have anything against... I love the Bobby Portis moments. I think that's... We talked about this on multiple episodes. I know you and I talked about it in regard to him and Tanasis on the last episode. Rowan. You know, the books need the energy. They need the energy. So that is a win. They need someone that the fans will get behind who will get the fans into the game because God knows in game one that was needed and it was never really delivered. Good job, Ty. 
yeah, let's. I would. Hey, I didn't have a voice all of yesterday. I was yelling. I was asked to sit down. Guess you didn't have a voice at the game either, right? Stupid towel. The whole game. I'm not a big fan of the towel thing, but I waved the towel. I don't know. It was. I'm not. I'm not. I'm taking the L for being there, but I'm not taking the L for not being energetic enough. I was very. I was yelling out substitution ideas to Bud. Like I was there. <laughs> I was. I'm sure there. everyone appreciated that. I was anti Teague after two minutes. Please tell me there's video of this. No, there's not. Shout out yeah. to my guy Coolin who got me the ticket. I had to give Coolin a shout out. Um, but neither of us were taking video. We were. We were too locked in. This is how influencers get tickets. So, you know, they shout out them on the podcast. Too many people around us were on their phones too often. I did not have, I sent like four tweets during the whole game, like locked in. Wow, how did you stay so disciplined? The tweets came during TV timeouts. Like, I was lasered in. I don't know. How did you sacrifice your brand to support your team? How how, how was that? How did they come about? It wasn't easy. Um, I'll do a five-part podcast series on on that arduous journey during the post uh, the uh, the off season. But can we get back to Bobby? Yeah, I mean, so I I know that we are just we're beginning this from very different opinions on Bobby Portis. We're, we're not as far off as we once were, and I'm not taking victory laps for that. But you know, sure. Um, I think we're close to where I was than where you. Were. Yeah, to say yeah. Maybe we're not as close as we thought. No, we're then we're not close at all. We're not close at all. If the if the past few weeks haven't brought you close to where I was, well, you know, I'm saying we, before we, the season started, you wouldn't have I, had Portis saying, playing I, at all by this point in the. Post-season. I wouldn't have been playing now. I mean, there aren't many guys that are playing. There'd be probably six guys on the court right now, uh, which is what we saw against the Nets. But like the minutes, the minutes are loose when he gets out there, and. You could lose another game in the series because of that. And I think they're going to keep doing it, you know, just because you can somewhat get away with Forbes and Portis in this series. I don't know if it's reason to do it, particularly if Bryn Forbes is not giving you anything. But Bobby, I just, I'm not seeing enough generally on the glass. I mean, that was a great performative defensive rebound where he, he nearly burst the ball that, that and he got incredible. everyone fired up. I, I enjoy that. uncontested rebound that he just swallowed out of the air. But this is this is my point that I just, I don't think people are going to get the right ideas. I All of that is great and all of that has a positive impact, but I don't know what part of Portis, like what's the trade-off between you know something that's just kind of giving the books a little bit more energy, just kind of a little bit more juice as opposed to what we're very comfortable with is, oh, you know, Bobby looks good and Bobby's holding his own out there. Not he's having a burst where he kind of gets fired up. He gets some momentum, things go his way, which I feel is the impact. There's nothing wrong with that, but you've got to pull the plug quick. And there are nights where that's just going to be off. And I'm not crazy about how, how they will be like for, for everything that was good about this performance, you look down the bench and outside of Pat being tree a tree from deep, it's not going to happen every night. It's it's not a pretty picture. I will say, I do think that a little bit of the drawback, and like you're right, they were getting toasted a bit on the defensive end when he was out there, especially in that second quarter. I would say a lot, like maybe not most of it. I mean, there is still some onus on Bobby there. But like 
you're also playing Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, and Pat Connaughton all at the same time. Like mm-hmm. something's got to break there. Something's got to break. And they weren't and they it, weren't helped by Chris Chris getting in foul trouble, which is why again you end up with like three of those guys. Because I do think Drew and Giannis are the other two players on the floor, right? I believe so. Yeah. So it's it's really that Chris is in foul trouble when you when they go to that. That that's completely fair. I I'll take that point. Yeah, I mean, I I want to say I think Portis is a lot more playable than Forbes at this point. I think I agree with that too. Portis is not without any merit defensively. I think a whenever they have him drop, that's when you get there. He can't drop, but if you're gonna have him trap or switch, ideally, I think he's playable and he's gonna force some takeaways. Yeah, I think a steal and a block in this game, and I know. Box score stats, blah, blah, blah. That's you you take away a possession from the other team and you get a fast break possession. Like that stuff matters. And I think that's going back to what I mentioned, Steph was leading the league in steals one year. Like you can account for getting picked on some possessions if you can come back and force a takeaway and another one. It's a big swing. So if he's able to force some if he's able to pull out a few good defensive plays and work the paint like he does on offense. And especially feels like his jumper's been a little wishy-washy in the postseason. I think he's responded by taking less of those 18-footers and just getting in the paint more. And he's been the recipient of some really nice passes from the Bucks and capitalizing in there. I think 15 to 18 or 20 minutes, of the, 20 is probably a lot, 15 to 18 minutes of that, especially earlier in series, I think there's a lot of upside. And I think especially it's nice because you can get a few less minutes for your Giannis's and Tucker's and Lopez's. Maybe they can play a few more minutes and feel a little less worn out by the game seven where only six guys are playing. I'm not saying Porter should play 18 minutes in a game seven, but I do think in this earlier part of a series when the rotations haven't tightened down that far yet because players would like literally be killing over on the court if you had a six for sure, rotation for sure. a whole postseason – there's a lot of value there. So I, I thought he had a great game tonight. I thought it was exactly what you need from Portis. The fact that he got a technical and then the free throw was missed, it really shows you that everything was going Portis' way. Ball don't lie. Game. Ball does not lie. Um, but I think this is the this is the the blueprint for a good Portis game. It's like get in the paint, score, clean up a little bit. I agree his rebounding hasn't been exactly that I would hope for, but I think he's compensated for it by having some impact plays defensively a block here, a steal there, just energy is the big word with him that can make up for some of the defensive lapses. And also, he just looked better on defense in general when they weren't dropping him. You just can't drop him. He just can't they, No, him. because they changed the way they used yeah. him defensively. They trapped like, we talked, switched a lot more. Not even just that. They changed the personnel around him. Yeah, like, they, was he playing instead, at the four more? He was like? playing at the four a yeah. lot more. There was one of Brooke or Giannis with him for the yeah. majority, if not all of his minutes. I don't know exactly. Uh, but that's ideally what it is. We talked last game, Adam, about how not only was Brooke not showing higher, he was dropping back. And if Brooke dropping back is bad, Bobby dropping back just that terrible. deep is just it's it's awful. You cannot do any worse. However, if you have another big guy out there like Brooke or Giannis who can sort of clean up defensive mistakes and also they're switching one through four immediately, even if Brooke is on the court and if Giannis is on the court, they're just switching everything. So you don't have to worry about that with Bobby anymore. You don't have to worry about him being the big that's picked on. 
because he's playing up a little bit more given one thing Atlanta could do to adjust for that is change guard zoo and stuff like that. But like, so can Milwaukee, they can play those mismatches too with, uh, with Bobby and make sure they hide him on someone else that they don't want setting screens for Trey young. And if they do, that's a win for Milwaukee in that sense, because even though you, you can get the switch on the Trey or whoever, or Kevin Herter, with Bobby, you're still getting a negative action from Atlanta in that situation. So I thought they did a great job modifying his role so that he can fit a little bit better. I don't think it'll hold up. I still think he's going to get maybe squeezed out of the rotation if this series goes long, which it probably won't based on what we saw tonight. I don't know. I think, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I, it just it's just flying too close to the sun at all times every in, moment he's Fox in the team. game <laughs> it it is sure as a collective experience but what's, but what's every the every though? little what else the, the alternative isn't no, no my my issue is that you know you're you're not wrong and I myself advocated for this before the series you've gotta you've gotta use this series you have to have a look at these guys first of all just in terms of you don't you need bodies you need to buy some minutes of rest here and there for the rest of your team my concern is this is the conference finals this is not still like the long build up to something and let's say and let's hope they do get beyond this there, there's just there's there isn't the margin for error there isn't the time the room for experimentation and i can see the books getting burned badly on bobby portis by just collectively everyone buying into it and feeling and look we know we know what bud is like we know what the coaching staff can be like this is something where if they just feel like they're getting away with it in this series oh maybe maybe we can get away with it in the next series and then you don't and it costs you in a big way very quickly and you know all it might have to cost you is one game that could be true in this series as well it might just have to cost you a run at the wrong time but the minutes to me are just generally unsteady. I know he's much better at switching. Like the drop is just death when, when he's dropping way back. But even when he's switching, there is just something. I feel so uncomfortable watching him in a defensive stance. It's like he's just not low enough to the floor. He's too low. It's so forced. And it just always feels like someone who's good on the ball. I think this would be a much bigger problem if Bogdan was not injured. If, if he was really kind of sharp and feeling it and you just had an extra creator, um, I can't believe we're talking about Bogdanovich's extra creators again, but an extra creator there along with Trey, it's like one less place to hide him. You would pick him out and you would just eat him up over and over again. And the reality is if they get beyond this, you know, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, like I don't think Bobby Portis can be on the floor. I think he's going to have to play at least some minutes in that series. They just don't have enough players. I mean, he didn't, he didn't against I mean, the Nets. He did early. He played some. And that, like that's the other the reason. First two games that uh, he didn't. I, don't, I think he played the first four at least. Yeah, minutes. it just his minute loads decreased as the game. And that's out. why I'm not as worried about him. I mean, they, the Bucks coaching staff has already been very cautious with how much and exactly when Portis plays. And I distinctly remember it was funny in Game Four, the last game he played against Brooklyn. I think. He was actually his best defensive game of the postseason. I thought he had some big impact plays and he made a difference on that end. He checked out and never checked back in again. He he started slow offensively that game. And I think that was, it might have been more precautionary than anything. But, you know, do I think we're going to see a ton of Portis in games 
way, way, way going way too far ahead here, but uh, presumptuous, presumptuous games, five, six, and seven against Phoenix? No. But, Do we know it's against Phoenix? I, no. Against whoever. I mean, I, 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 I'm prepared to go on a limb and say yes. I, I, I'm I more so. likely to see him against the Clippers and their personnel, quite honestly, but. Um, I don't know. I'm not as worried about it. I think it's fine. And, you know, it, it's un, it's unfair because obviously this is turning into Portis and that's my fault. But like this applies doubly so for Brent Forbes. That's yeah, a, I think Forbes is a bigger issue. That's a that's a big problem. Um I I think they they somehow managed to hide Forbes just a little bit more easily, but if they don't on any given possession, you know, cover that up. Uh, it's it's over. Like for Forbes is just that's a problem too. But this is where I I'd like to see them figure something out. They they do need to find something, but this is where, you know, Tanasis at least gives you something defensively. One, it's fouls, but when it's not fouls, it's it's locked in, it's very consistent, and it's gonna bother opponents. And it really is. I don't know if the offense defense trade off is really worth it for the books in the bigger picture in the longer term. And it is, it's fine to go game by game. And, you know, it is, it is true that they're going to need just some bench players to, to offer up some relief so that, you know, the starters aren't having to play nonstop. But like game three and game four are colossal games. You need one of them, and really, you want two of them. You want two of them, and you want to get back and get this thing done. And with that, I'm just Bobby is. You know, if if I was in the Hawks locker room, he's a guy that I'm targeting every time, like really going out of my way to target him. And for as much as the books could could look to hide him, unfortunately, I think we all notice they don't do as good a job always of protecting their guys like that as they could do. They do with Forbes. They scram switch Portis when Forbes gets mismatched, funny enough. But if you're going to talk about someone who's gaining stature this series because Bogdan is limited offensively, that's who they're putting Forbes on. Like mm-hmm. that's That was the most blatant display of like Bogdanovich is clearly not up to game speed at the moment. Like they were choosing to put uh, Tucker slash Pat onto Lou Williams to hide Forbes on Bogdanovich, which – I think in a usual circumstance, they would do the opposite and keep the small and the small and the bigger guy and the bigger guy. But clearly the Bucks are identifying Bogdanovich as someone who's just not going to hurt them in any way, shape, or form. And so far they've been right and it's worked. But I think Forbes has been the bigger issue. His two quick fouls felt just brutal uh, in the second, uh, second first, first quarter, second quarter. First quarter. Um, I would like to see more Portis without Forbes and vice versa because I just think it does both of them a disservice if they're going to play together so much on defense because obviously now you you go from one weak link to two weak links. I think it's a lot easier to hide one weak link. But um, the Bucks bench has certainly become an, an interesting place. And I think a lot of this, again, has to do with the loss of Dante DiVincenzo. But we're at a point in this postseason where everyone is down players and you can't sit around and, and moan too much. But if you want to talk about you know, things Horst could have done better this this season than giving up for this playoffs. Another two-way guard would have been just phenomenally nice. And we hope T could be the guy at times. We're not there. We're certainly did, not there. He did play more minutes to, uh, this game than he did last game. 
He sure did. And he's going to, if the series. This goes, may have been the T game. I might have to concede that this is the T game. Seven points, three or five shooting. That's some good work. I said, you know, he's going to come in, help win a playoff game. Here we are, the T game, ladies and gentlemen. I knew it was over for Teague when even Adam was like, uh, I didn't say they should go for the Teague game. I just thought there would be one. I was like, okay, so we're the really point, The point that I will uh, stress on that is I was the person from the beginning when the rumors came out, I was like, mm, this isn't a good idea. <laughs> I'm the person who for years, books fans have wanted Teague. You know, it's a historical thing. It goes back to the offer sheet. Hawks fans will remember it just as well. I was like, this is not a good idea. But yeah, I don't want to even bring up the other name of the person who was in the mix. Everyone knows we don't need to go through all that again. But we are at a point where it's just like, yeah, just, you know, if not, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm not engaging on that one. Um, J.R. Smith? He was at Cops the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. J.R. Smith, maybe, you know? JR's, I would love J.R. on this team, to be honest. Do you remember? That was what a time that was when he flew in. It was all going to happen. And then, nope. <laughs> it just didn't. The Bucks, it just the Bucks didn't. love this. The Bucks love it's imminent. And then you just never hear about it. You don't even hear a reason. It just never happens. It just fades away into dust. Uh, Rohan, pick a guy to talk about, Drew or Chris? Um, let's talk, let's, yeah, let's just do it. Let's talk about Chris. Um, I thought he was better. He was was better. I mean, you couldn't get much worse. Yeah, better is a low bar. Realistically. What I am enjoying seeing from Chris Middleton is just his passing is evolving in front of our eyes. We are witnessing a guy just develop an elite skill in real time. And we've seen flashes of it throughout the years, especially this season. But just he's making absurd passes. I don't think we talked enough game one about some of the passes that he was throwing around and even throwing like in the Brooklyn series. It was just fantastic. Even today, he's not shooting the ball very well. 15 points, six of 13 from the field, two of seven from three, following up an O of nine performance with two of seven. Like, my goodness. But he does have eight assists on the night. And you can just tell that even though he's not shooting the ball well at all, He'll do that later in the series. That's just what Chris Middleton does. He's still making a positive impact on the court with his playmaking abilities. The the six of thirteen, two of seven doesn't bother me. It's I'm, the, I'm a little bothered. There's there's one part of it that bothers me. It's the thirteen. I want to see that number up. Just twenty eight minutes, but I feel you for sure. But I, he's not. Like part of that, it does come in trying to work out a balance, and his playmaking is increasingly important game by game. Every single day, it becomes more important to the books. There is just a level of control about his play that wasn't there in the past. And again, game by game, it's better and better. But the books definitely need him to be upping his his attempts. I mean, Drew is shooting the lights out. We'll talk about him in a moment. So him kind of being there with just one more, yeah, one more attempt um, is fine at the moment. But I, I do think particularly go back to the net series and just think of if you're going to be in close games, the thing the books want to do, the thing the books need to do is be able to look to Chris and be like, okay, this could get dicey for Giannis. This could get dicey for a lot of what we do. The ball's going in your hands. We're trusting you to create. 
And that is what got them to this point. You know, it wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always perfect. But that was a crucial part of what got them through the, the second round. It was nice to just see him see some shots from distance go down. And that's what you needed for sure. Um, I'm frazzled just because we had all seen, I think, the splits. Chris at home, dominant this postseason. Chris on the road, less so. Hopefully... The script is just gonna. The script is just gonna be flipped now, or maybe he's just gonna have a few bad games in a row and then just good all the rest of the way. That would certainly work fine for me. I think we've seen like that's the classic Chris Middleton experience. Yeah, I I'll, I hope so. I hope so. Um, nuclear Chris Middleton. I just think like the Bucks go to a different level, and it's not gonna happen every game. It just can't. But. When he's making everything, I think feel like the team just feels unkillable. Um, we haven't seen that yet. I do agree. I'm glad he kept shooting. The one thing we can't see from Chris is like a, you know, eight points on two for six shots in a 28 or more minutes. Like that's what that's the territory you got into against the Raptors in 19 of just like it's not working. We're just not going to shoot anymore, and it's a little more palatable with Drew on the roster, but it's still like you said, Adam. It's not palatable, and I like your point about the playmaking being more and more important every game. There's no other point guard besides Drew. So you pretty much just have to stagger the three, the the big three, Drew, Chris, and Giannis. They have to do enough playmaking. You can't put the ball in Pat's hands. If you put the ball in Bryn's hands, he's going to take 15 steps around someone and fire off a three. Those guys have to do the playmaking. Like there's a ton of load on these three players now and they wore it really well in this game. They're going to have to keep wearing it well, but I love the assists. I love that he made some shots fall. I want to see a crazy Chris shooting game. I love that one of the two threes was a corner three. I feel like we very rarely see Chris shooting from the corners. I think it was Giannis who found him on a very nice pass. Would love to see more of that. I mean, I know he has to do a lot more than a three and D player these days, but Getting him some of those looks feels like it could help him get going a little bit more in the series and in the postseason, which all I want now is momentum that you can carry from this series to the next one where you're definitely going to have less margin for error. I think let him go hunting a little bit too. Yeah, yeah I'm fine. against this team? Hell yeah. It's like you've got Trey Young or Lou Williams on the floor most of the time. Add Bogdan on one leg in there. Add Kevin Herter who's you know doing a very he's, he's solid fine. job. He's, a, he's, he's, he's gonna defense. fight. He's gonna be solid. And he's, he's gonna be he's there. Worse, Chris, on, but on everything is what he is. If, basically, if Chris focuses in on him, like he doesn't have the size, he doesn't have the strength, doesn't have the length to actually bother Chris. Second leading block shots person for the Hawks this postseason. Adam put some. He had one tonight at least. I still seem impressed by that. No, I mean like a little. I mean, okay, he has more, so. he has more than any buck besides Giannis, actually. He's got a lot of blocks this postseason. But really, like, John Collins doesn't block as many shots as he should. Am I right on that? That's that's always my feeling with it. Not defensively inclined. So beyond Clint Capella. Who's also not that big, but just good at No, he's not big at all. He's 6'9". Yeah. So I'm not impressed. It's what we've circled back around to here. That's fair. I'm impressed, Ty. Thank you. I, I think, it's not I about guess, Ty. I'm not. I, yeah, I'm not. Is the one who? Yeah, should be thinking. I'm impressed with Ty for bringing it up. That makes Ty feel bad. I know Ty just looked that. really dejected there. So I wanted <laughs> to cheer him. But no, I agree with you though, Adam. I do agree with you that Chris can take anyone on this roster 
I mean, no one on this roster could really capably defend Chris one on one. Like, if it's Capella, no one on this Hawks that. roster can capably guard anyone <laughs> on the Bucks. If we're keeping it hundred, like, come I on. think that I think our, our the tweet before the series of of our post game pod was who is going to guard anyone? And I feel like when the Bucks start bailing the Hawks out less and and taking better shots throughout the course of the game, you can really see the answer is just nobody. I mean. I said this before this series started, and I'll maintain it. The only team that can beat Milwaukee is Milwaukee in this series. In this postseason. Or in this series. In this series. Oh, yeah. I think Phoenix. Yeah, okay. The fact that they keep trotting out Solomon Hill to be the quote-unquote defensive specialist, one of the sadder things I've ever seen. Like, we thought Ariza was cooked. This guy is filet mignon cooked. And they just keep... It's a bit of meat in the bones, though. You know, and that's, try your best, Solomon Hill. That's what's getting them out there. That's that's the thing. I mean, this is one thing I do feel with the Hawks is like even Gallo holds a better defense just because he's got size. It's like they they need their size. They need size across the board. It's a problem when the books just get to pick on smaller guys. And to their credit, they've managed to avoid that for the most part. Even tonight, it was you know I guess we never really got to that because. The books got a lot of points to transition, or then they got stopped early so that they couldn't get transition points. So it could even have been worse in some other ways. Maybe that was the idea, you know. Let's not let's not let the books see everything right now that they can do to us. But I think Solo Hill, it's like he's a big guy. Ron and I talked about this. He's a point of this. He's like a big guy. Thus, that thus ends the merits of Solomon Hill as a basketball yeah, player in twenty. But he used to be big, and now he's big. And Nate McMillan has coached both versions of him. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. And he's like, yeah, I guess let's put the big guy out there. I think it, I'm I'm at the point where if I'm them, I'd just try more Okongu or something. I mean, this is just like I, huge Ariza vibes. Like internally he has to be like come on man. like really me I, I guess not i mean i hope his, not i hope he has credit, more self-respect than that for his credit i think he's done better than i expected on that end which is to say like not just awful, survived. but i survived enough yeah i think he was like minus three in this game yeah yeah which is pretty good for the rest of the hawks only um, one foul yeah, it's interesting. But I'm still not over him turning on the afterburners to get by Drew in game one. You know? Well, Drew just didn't expect that. Yeah, Drew, was, Drew was like, wait, what? Like was I covering someone else? I didn't ex- I didn't think like, did I get confused? I was Was that Lou Will? See, you look at him, be- you look at him and you're like, That's a big. You know, who's <laughs> this big coming up on me? And then he moves and you're like, No, he used to be a wing. He used way to be a wing, he used when. to play a bit of the two. Way back, way back when. Um Drew Holiday. So we talked about before the series, the, the X factor, right? Like he's going to get a lot of the tray assignment. And then on the other end, you know, there's not good options for Chris. There's one solid option for Giannis and, and Capella. The Hawks have never had anyone for Drew. There's no one on the roster who even when fully healthy, I mean, maybe one of Reddish or Hunter, I guess, but Hunter's out and Reddish returned and, and played spot minutes. He's been out for months actually, but no one is a good matchup for Drew Holiday on defense in this Hawks team, especially so. I mean, again, closest Drew, they probably have is Chris Dunn, right? That could maybe do anything. Oh my anything. god, I forgot that he's not even. Oh yeah, oh Chris Dunn played. Oh, is it all garbage time? Is eleven garbage minutes. time? Yeah, I I do I, find what? it incredible that Lou Williams is out there. Like Lou Williams is washed up. He's not giving you anything 
offensively. You know, maybe we shouldn't share. It. You keep doing you, Nathan, he, he played well against Philly. He had one really good game, I think, is what happened. He brought he brought them back. He, he won them again. He did yeah. win them a game. He did against Philly, though. Yes, Come on. a and bad team against a bad team. That version um, of Philly, in particular. What version of Philly has been? Oh, when they had Jimmy Butler, a proven playoff performer. My bad, Adam. Sorry about that. Um, forgot what I was talking about. I got caught up in the slander. Drew Holiday. Though, Who are you no slandering? One. That was like you're slandering me. What is going on? Philly. Philly. <laughs> I'm saying they have no playoff performers left after they. Pick Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler, which is as hilarious oh, yeah, as yeah, it yeah, sounds. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But they have no one outside of Chris Dunn, who I don't think McMillan is going to dust off in non-garbage time anytime soon, to guard Drew Holiday. And credit to him. Horrible net series, two redeeming minutes, basically the whole series. He's had two redeeming games so far. He's one of the best Bucks players in the first game. I'd say again, probably only second to Giannis, one of the best players in this game. 22 points. Nine for 14 from the field, three for four from deep. I like that 10 of his shots were from two and only four from deep. Uh, mm-hmm. One for three from free throw. He missed two of two at one point, which happens weirdly often with Drew for someone whose free throw percentage is not abnormally low. But seven assists, one steal, one block. The plus minuses are great. The whole starting lineup is plus 30 or better. Ironically, Giannis with the lowest. But he dominated. He kept getting inside. He kept passing out. I think the Bucks playing inside out is the key to just dominating the series. He just did it. I, I don't even have that many notes. I just thought he was great. He did exactly what we wanted to see all game long. The fact that he looked so comfortable now, like even if there's one of the quote-unquote bigs who's not Capella between him and the rim, he just doesn't care anymore. I think early in game one, he was passing out of some times when he penetrated he shouldn't have. Now if he sees John Collins back there, he's just like, this is still two points for me. He's not going to do anything about it. And lo and behold, John Collins did not do anything about it this whole game. John Collins is like playing slam ball out there. <laughs> you know, that he would be unbelievable. You know, if, if oh that ever goodness. taken he would off. Be incredible. Incredible. If they, if they add that to the Olympics next, now that three on three is in there, John Collins, get ready to rep Team USA. I am concerned about oh, the Who's books. on the USA 3v3 team? How is it not like KD? Chris Middleton. Because like, they're on the Tatum. real team. But why can't they also do the 3v3? That's quite the combination you came up with there, too. KD, Chris Middleton, and Tatum. That's, that's a good combo. There's a lot, that's a lot of length. It's a I lot like of length, that, I but I don't know. If, if I was there. just picking three guys, I don't know I don't know if Jason Tatum would come into it. I I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if most people outside of Wisconsin and a very small part of Ireland would put Middleton in there either quite Oh honestly, yeah, no, but... well that that is also kind of a given, but yeah. just you know, Jason Tatum's at home on the couch is pretty part of it. What were we saying? I, I don't know, I can't remember. John Collins. Yeah, John Collins slam ball. I'm a little concerned that if there's a close game in this series, the books are gonna get they're gonna get done on one of those late in the game. They're not gonna box out and he's gonna come in. That that happened. That was no, game one. But, but I mean, in a more painful, like, <laughs> this is the one. It wasn't in over the top to finish. Oh, okay. I, I just thought you meant offensive. No, I no, mean, like, have a tip I mean yeah. it could be at the buzzer, you know, yeah. kind of a DeAndre Ayton kind of moment, except it's just John Collins coming flying in over the back of a couple of, or over the top of a couple of Bucks defenders to to clean up it's just they're not getting that and if you could just kind of figure that out and make sure you're boxing it out you're nullifying a lot of the threat right now 
Yeah. I you mentioned the Hawks winning a game at the buzzer. One question I wanted to pose to you guys while we're here. Is this going to turn into the 19 Celtics series all over again? I know the comparisons have been made, especially right after the loss. I think some of the bigger Bucks optimists were invoking that very series. Do you think there's some similarities? Kind of just an all-out rush game one from the, the visiting team. You see some answers game two, and I'm not sure how many answers the Hawks are going to have for the Bucks answers in this game. Uh... I don't know if I'm that confident right now, but it is hard to say that Milwaukee's not certainly in the driver's seat despite not having home court anymore. Ty, you picked Bucks in five. So? As did I, but I, I wasn't expecting to lose yeah, game one. It doesn't, I didn't pick that specific order, that's for sure. You know, it was the gentleman's handout in game four was what I was yeah, when originally you Bucks in five, you assume it's three or four. I mean, I I think my answer to that is I want to see game three. Oh, yeah. oh bold. That's a Jordan answer. Yeah, right the, there. the 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 spirit no, of Jordan Trusky. How dare you? Uh, no, it's not Jordan. I'm not sitting on the fence. I was say, wow. No, well, Jordan will understand. I've spent years trying to get answers out of Jordan, so you know I do not take kindly to be it's to be called Jordan but any prediction I make. Um, I want to see. I want to see game three. I want to see can they get anything close to what they showed in this game to begin with. Like, if at halftime they've got a ten point lead and they've done it, series is over. Series is over. They they win in five. But I don't really. I just don't have a feel for how any of it's going to play out. What's it going to be like in Atlanta for a conference finals game? You know, it's yeah. They're going to have one of their biggest. Uh, People being a Bucks fan and Gucci, shout out to Gucci. Might swing they, the series. They've got a, they've got a lot of people them. to go around. I don't think they're going to be too worried. But the Bucks need it though. Need is a strong word. It would be nice for Bucks Twitter if Gucci. I nearly said, is Shania Twain going to be going to Atlanta? This is I still can't get past this. What just just you know, just a weird experience? Just well, absolutely wild. We're doing a bit. I mean, it's Cheryl Crow. We know. It is yes, Cheryl Crow, yes. but I, then I was like, is Rohan actually confused no, 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 on this no, no, as well? No, is no. this... Uh, did you both... I hope I really should be saving this for Jordan because this is like... This is where he goes to work. But did you watch the video pre-game where Zora Stevenson interviewed her? Did the books put out? No, I didn't see that. Oh, uh, okay. Well, then we need to save for another time. It is incredible. Be a whole nother, be a whole nother podcast. It is incredible. Jordan. There's going to be, there'll be a full episode of Win and Six about yeah. it. Yeah. I'll, I'll be, I'll be eagerly anticipating that. I'm, I'm not even joking. We might just do a full episode where we just line by line break down like you her can, analysis. Big Bobby Portis fan. Oh, see? Oh, that, and you argued against Portis. She said something like she, she doesn't think she'll be able to sing First Cut as the Deepest ever again without thinking of Bobby Portis. Wow! <laughs> just, no, no, don't don't spoil anymore. No, save the oh, rest, save the if rest anyone the hasn't, process. the books tweeted it out. Go, go check it out. It's and, it's something. And then tune back into this feed sometime in the future for the the full breakdown. You can do like clip by clip, line by line. I can't wait for this. Uh, Rohan, I'm gonna make you go last. I think this is gonna be 19 Celtics vibes. I just think. I thought you said the second ago that you didn't. 
<laughs> I said I wasn't sure. I was still thinking about it. You've come around on it pretty quick. I have. I even said, like, Ty, you pick Bucks and five. Why are you going against that? Now you're back. I know. That was a quick 20 seconds. The Ty Winters experience. I have a weird analogy to go with it. Cool. That's not what I meant, Rohan. Um, <laughs> like, do you ever have that moment when you realize you're taller than your dad and things are just different? Things are just different from then. Like you're just you're taller now. I think it's a a lot of people have this with like brothers. Like when you're taller than the brother. I don't know. I didn't have any brothers, so I don't get that. But no, like, me neither. But I, I okay, yeah, I've got that. Sorry. Like that, you just right? realize things are different, and I think that's where the Bucks are at in this series. It's like oh. There's things we can do that like there's just no answer for. And I think when you get there in a series, again, unless there's some sort of an answer, usually the series is kind of cooked from there. Like a couple many years ago now, I'm old, but when the Warriors realized they could just like put Bogut on Tony Allen and ignore Tony Allen, that series was over. It, there was nothing the Grizzlies could do. And that that was that. And Conley got injured. Grizzlies fans will be mad that four that are listening to this. But the big adjustment happened. There was no counterpunch and the series ended. A more prescient example, Kawhi on Giannis. I think there probably was a counterpunch, but the Bucks couldn't figure it out. But things changed. The series was over. I think the Bucks realizing that they can just go inside as much as they want and show this help to Trey Young, and as long as they don't foul him or basically let him throw lobs all day, that Atlanta's just not going to have that much offense. I just think there's realizations that have happened in this game that are proven throughout three quarters of basketball that are going to be really hard for the Hawks to gain ground against because they are at a talent disadvantage. And I I just think that there's not that many counter punches left. So maybe it's six. Maybe they take one more of the games. Maybe it's not exactly the Celtics series. But I do think the vibes are there and just that the Bucks figured some things out and I don't know exactly what Atlanta can do. And I'm going to – this is where I'm falling victim to Adam's quote tweet, but I'm going to trust the Bucks enough to hope they at least stick with some of these things for more than three quarters. Okay, you've heard it here first. Hawks take game three, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm gonna have to agree with you, Ty. There, like they they pushed the right buttons. Uh, Atlanta already exercised all of their options. This is uh, the series is over already. I think it is. It's not over. No, I'd, I'd really uncomfortable that. After one, after Adam, okay, I'll, I'll hedge that. I'll say I agree with you there. After one half of game three and they're up 10 points, I agree. It's over. The, the only thing I, I think what's fair if to they're say doing is... Every, you, have to, you have to see what they're doing. If they're doing the same things that they did tonight, they're doing the same things. They're making the right plays. They're adjusting sure. correctly. Then it's good. Do we believe that'll happen? go back to game I think it I can. actually do. I, I, don't, do. I don't. That's I'm still skeptical. I need to see the books put in consistently. You go, oh, okay, they've got four in a row. Because even, you know, this is the story. They're playing a team like the Nets. So we all can excuse that much more readily. But it's been a while. You know, we're going back to that, that first round. Feels a long time ago now. But it's been a while since we've just seen them kind of, okay, one game after the next, after the next, after the next. And that that's the thing. I, I'm not expecting some kind of big response, some answer that the books can't come up with their own response to um, in terms of something the Hawks are going to bring to the table. The series is not about the Hawks. Sorry, Hawks fans. I don't mean that to be disrespectful. Hasn't been for the beginning, though, for me. This is this series is about the books, and it's about how much the books are going to allow the Hawks into it. Right from the jump, they allow them into it. 
until we see that fully reverse and until we see them pull away, I, you've, you've got to think it's a series. And the Hawks and what they have up until this game, this game was the complete opposite. But through their playoff run, they've proven they'll hang around and they'll fight. They're the kind of team that, you know, the books, if they just don't kill them off and they end up in some close games, we're going to have some nightmare finishes and they could lose some games. So, so that's that's where I'm at on it. It's not about, you know, oh, the Hawks are going to do this. It's really what are the books going to do themselves? That's what still scares me. The one, I, I do think it's just like, if Chris doesn't have the worst game in game one, it's a 2-0 series. So even with the Bucks not pulling the right levers early and Trey having a fantastic game and all the offensive rebounds and everything else, like still such a close Hawks win. I just think the series isn't over, but the Bucks are like, they're in such a good position to make it over within a game or two that I, I just think it's going to, I think it's going to be Bucks five or six outside chance at six. I think Bucks in five is is very very. The Bucks just aren't winning in six. Yeah, it's just not. They're not happen. allowed to. Yeah, we're probably going to seven if it's not five. Oh, God, I don't have it in me. Um, <laughs> I have a random question. I think this will probably be our last thing. Is this by far the best postseason coaching job we've seen from Bud while he's been with the Bucks? Unequivocally. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy, right? I mean, yeah. Certainly not perfect. There's certainly things we've all cited that could be much better, but do you mean just the entirety of this postseason? Whole postseason. I, I mean, there's not there's not a lot of competition because it definitely was the last year. Last so year was the worst, I think. Actually, it's really between the two conference finals runs. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, this it might be closer than we think. I think it's this one because what. What levers were ever pulled in nineteen? Like not playing Miritich, I guess. Like I don't they think did, that much. Else like changed. to their credit, like we talked about it on binge the box. They I hate that so much. Uh, they they did mess with their defense a bit. We chronicled that awful series, but yeah. they did when they needed to do something and absolutely had no other options. Then they changed things a but I don't little think it bit was materially. Yeah. It was a very. Little, they did. They changed their coverages. They changed assignments and changed their scheme a little bit, but nothing to the degree of what we've seen this postseason. I, I do I, also think that was the first. That was the first run, sure. and I, I think it's it's more kind of natural for anyone, not even someone like Bud, who might kind of be inclined towards this anyway, to just continue trusting what you're doing the first time round, and considering just how spectacular their regular season was the whole turnaround i don't know i if things continue to track as they are well obviously it's not up for debate then you know because really the results are what's going to outrank anything here but i think it's closer it's maybe closer than we think but just finding enough like the was far from a perfect series against the nets but there were good decisions there that ultimately helped the books over the line against the nets and Against the Hawks, yeah, some really bad stuff to lost you game one, but the adjustments that needed to be there were there from right out of the gate in game two, and they made a difference. I think it's much better just because we're just, he's much more, and it sounds funny because still much less so than probably any coach, maybe with the exception of McMillan, left in the postseason, but just much more willing and able, and willing as he's always been able, obviously, but much more willing to be malleable and just try. I mean, I thought the Bucks started game one 
more divergent than their base defense than we would have ever seen in, in 2019 or in 2020. Like, I just think we're seeing some things from the jump. Still, we're seeing some adjustments come slower than we would like, but we're still seeing them. And I think even one that doesn't work, and this kind of plays in your hand of saying it's closer, Adam, but like we would have never seen Portis and Giannis or mostly Giannis playing at five for a whole quarter before. Like that was an adjustment. That one didn't, I mean, it actually looked like it was going to work until they just couldn't rebound in the last few minutes, but that was the kind of thing we're just not, we haven't seen before. So I do think, I think part of that comes from the roster. I think we're seeing players that are calling for some of these things, sometimes publicly in press conferences more than before. But I think some of that too, is like you said, bud getting more comfortable and, and just learning some things from these these past postseasons. I agree. Something you said in the game one pod certainly not stupid. Certainly doesn't know. Certainly doesn't not know coaching. But I think just a very rigid person. We're seeing he's less rigid now, and I think it's a good thing for the Bucks. Even if that's going to result in some wrong calls too. But you just have to live with that. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely this season. I think I think it's fairly easy just because I think this is a more postseason ready coaching performance. I feel like I'm being ganged up on here. I just I don't think you can win in the playoffs if that if your mantra is like no no I, I, look that's true. Just the baseline is different this year, so yeah, it's it's hard to kind of look at them in a relative sense because there is more variety in the Bucks' offense and their defense this year because of what's gone before. So yeah. I I think it's it's tough to kind of just be like apples to apples comparison because they are quite different things but look i've i've no problems if we want to call this his best postseason that sounds good to me and we'll likely need the, the good things from here it's i mean it's got to be his best ever I, i've heard similar things were issues in atlanta i don't care oh all that god much i mean they yeah, were never going to beat the Cavs, but they were never going to beat the Cavs, but they they sure have, lost yeah. in the ugliest possible ways to the Cavs. Yeah. Um, People can change. Who would peak. have thought? Let's get one peak, bud. Let's go. Peak everyone. Change the narrative. Get the ship. It's been 50 years. Somebody and said. They're still, and they're the most recent. Uh, they would be the most recent champ out of the remaining four teams. Yeah. So the only one who's gotten one before. But yeah. Well, in the their Hawks current city. In their current city. Oh, is the Hawks in Milwaukee? No, St. Louis. St. Louis. Oh, gotcha. Oh well. Okay. I think uh, you tried to. Got? You tried to. Uh, Adam was so happy when you said this is going to be the last question. Adam, Never give me a score this. prediction for Game Three. Oh Jesus! Everyone's least favorite thing. Yeah, he does it every time. Still, uh, I, I actually did. You make note? Do you make note of these predictions? Yes. You do. In my head. I was right, going to so, say. So how close was I? Because I think I was really close. You said 120-109, I believe. I thought it was 99. But oh, anyway. It was 99 then. Oh, it was. See? No, it was 98. It was 120-98. Okay, that sounds right. Which was, was sort of vaguely close. Um, one oh eight, one oh four. Oh, wow. Ooh. Okay. Tied. Wait, who who's one away? It's it's the Bucks. Okay, Bucks one twenty five, Hawks one ten. I don't think I don't think Atlanta's going to stop Milwaukee from scoring anymore. Oh, they scored 120, 127, 110. I won't do one twenty five twice in a row. Uh, they don't don't bring up the eighty six from the Brooklyn series that they scored like twice in a row or three times in a row. I was on at something there. 
maybe. <laughs> I'm going to say one Milwaukee, 130, Atlanta, 110. I don't think it's going to be close, realistically. 127, 113. No, 103, 103. I don't know. It doesn't, who cares? No <laughs> one's going to, not me. No one's going to track these. All right. The, okay. last, the last one, last thing. Yes. Five star Apple reviews. It's just a quick review, Adam. But yeah, okay. I'm gonna yeah. keep reading them. We appreciate the. Pe- I don't want to say this like I don't mean it. I want. We appreciate people who leave these five star reviews. I appreciate it. This is this is, you know, yeah. this is good. I'm yes. I'm all for this. A good diversion. Uh, it really does help out all of us here on Eurostep and Winning Six, the Eurostep Podcast Network. If you leave these reviews on the Apple feed, so Hess we can says the best is just the subject line is the best which is a great start the realist around podcasting about the bucks great insight great people nothing but good things to say exclamation point five stars it's a great review Hess we can appreciate the love thank you for listening thank you very much that's it's just it means a lot like ty you had a tweet today asking people to reply with like why they what they enjoy about the euros podcast network and it's just it's so nice to see all of this. It's like, I'm, I'm speaking genuinely here. Like it's, it's very nice. It's very heartwarming to see that you guys enjoy this content a lot and it means a lot. It pushes us to make good content for all of you out there. It makes us feel better. We just, we want to make the best content for you possible. And it's very, very heartwarming to see that we're, we're striving towards that goal. And particularly, may I add, since we have come together and formed a super team, the response has been incredible. Yeah. Like in terms of whether it's a nice tweet or it's a review or whatever it might be, or you know, just straight listens and downloads, it's it's a big deal and it's it's a big, big jump for all parties involved. So we're very much appreciative. We're glad people are getting on board and enjoying the fun of the books playoff run and making sure that they're checking in with us. Uh, for that journey from game to game throughout the playoffs. We're having a lot of fun doing it, and we're very, very appreciative of all you taking the time for this. And the content's not going to stop no matter what. Like, off-season, regular season. No matter what, if the world ends, we've got got 5,500 episodes pre-recorded. We got AI involved. AI Jordan is terrific. We're gonna. It's, they're gonna keep happening. Nothing. I just check, and I need to sleep sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> yeah. If you want to, if you want the level of commitment that we have, just ask Adam's uh, sleep patterns, his circadian rhythms. It's not good. It's it's, not but he's good. doing it for you guys. I've sacrificed my mental sanity, which you guys seem to enjoy. Which also, like, I mean, like, it, it, I'm glad you're enjoying, but also, like, come on. Like, <laughs> You know what? No, whatever. I'll, I'll do. I'll do what I can do to provide content here. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a great place to wrap this up and say thank you for listening to this episode of the Eurostep Podcast Network. Eurostep win in six post game two collab. The Milwaukee Bucks absolutely rolling the Atlanta Hawks. If you want to keep up the good vibes that we were just 
talking about. Make sure you are subscribed on your podcast platform with Trace and leave a five-star review because you can get it read out here on the next episode. That'll be great. It just makes everyone feel better. So make sure you're leaving that five-star review on Apple. Give a nice comment. Maybe we'll shout you out on the next episode. Other than that, make sure you check out all of the great content across the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Stay safe, everyone. Go Bucks! I just hit my keyboard. Uh, and we, we, we're, we'll talk to you next time. Whatever. It's done.